Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I'm here with Dr. Adilma Yearwood. Uh, she's the Department Chair of Professional Nursing Practice at Georgetown University. And she's just given a keynote talk here at the MHNN conference. Adilma, how, how are you feeling after your talk? <laughs> I am uh, excited to have done this, and um, I feel very good. I think the audience was very engaged, and I think that they um, did a lot of work during the presentation in thinking about ways to that they're going to move forward personally to understand this, these concepts and also to take it with them. Yeah. So I yeah, good about that. absolutely. I thought that was it was really impressive in that sense. You kind of you got us energized. You got us thinking after a late night la- last night for some <laughs> right. people. Right. Um, so yeah, you were talking about stigma mm-hmm. and mental health literacy mm-hmm. um, in low and middle income countries, mm-hmm. particularly. Can you paint a picture for us of the impact that poor knowledge about mental health mm-hmm. and the stigma that comes from that has on people and their lives? Well, I think. For me, one of the things that, sh- that, that I'm struck with when I go to the clinical area in the hospital with my students is are, are the number of patients that we deal with every week that talk about how their mental health um, issues are affecting them and their relationships with other people. The issue of not having friends because of their symptoms, the issue of being made fun of in their communities, the issue of not being like other people or being with other people. It's heartbreaking when you hear those stories. Um, and, and so I, I, I really think that this is something that we have to tackle. We have to take mental illness, um, put it to the center of the table, deal with it. These are challenges that people have um, and, and, and we need to be humane and treat people well um, despite some of the discomfort that we might have with their behaviors yeah and I guess we've made some progress in high-income countries in terms of stigma mm-hmm. reduction in mm-hmm. recent years although mm-hmm. that's probably more focusing on mm-hmm. you know what you call common mental health conditions rather than some s- severe mental illness right. what do you think the situation is in the majority of low and middle income countries in terms of stigma well I think it's probably um, worse um, I when I've traveled to um, some countries I was born in Panama and I've traveled to Panama, I've seen some of the, the clinics in Panama, but I've also gone to some of the clinics in Jamaica. And one of the things that um, is pretty clear in, in some countries is that people um, are afraid of, of people who have mental illness. And so the, the, um, they, they are isolated um, a lot of times. Um, people are not connected with their communities, with people. Um, you know, they're made fun of in the streets. Um, and, and that's heartbreaking to see because, you know, they're human, fellow human beings and, and they're, they're challenged, they're having difficulty. Um, they don't have a place to live. They may not have proper food. Um, and rather than um, embracing them and trying to take care of them, they're, they're shunned, I think, in, in some of these communities, and that's just not a proper way, I don't think, to treat fellow humans. Yeah. yeah. And what do you think about what we've done over the last decade or so in mm-hmm. high-income countries to try and mm-hmm. reduce stigma? Do you think that's worked? 
I, I really do. I, I can talk from, from a U.S. perspective. I think we are getting better at, at being more open with these conversations. So I, I think it's bringing it out and talking about it. It's bringing it out and in, being more inclusive with people. Um, I, I think we're paying better attention. Um, I know on our campus, um, we talk with our students a lot about pay attention to your, your roommate. Pay attention to the other students on your floor. If somebody's having some, some um, issues or, or, you know, isolating themselves, feeling depressed or um, lonely or whatever, make that known and, and let us know as the faculty. Um, we have a lot of services, resources on campus for students. So we do approach it very, very, in a supportive way. This is, this is um, we all have things that we're dealing with and it, it's, not a, it's not a mark on you. It's about this is a, a, a challenging time, and, and how do we help you get through this time um, as, as, as best as we can. Yeah. And I guess it's not just about saying, look, this is what we do in the U.S., this is what we do in the U.K., let's export that mm -hmm. to other places in the world and, right. and sort it out there as well. It looks what, different. Mm -hmm. What do we know about what works in terms of reducing stigma mm -hmm. across the world? Well, what the literature does tell us is that it's about contact. It's not avoiding or isolating individuals who have a mental illness. It's about how do we embrace them? How do we um, develop a comfort level um, with perhaps some behaviors that may make us uncomfortable? Um, and how do we show people just common, common respect and courtesy and, and, and caring? Um, I think it goes back to just the basics. You know, I hear you, I see you, I care about you as a fellow human being, I'm here for you. I think those are the kinds of things that we have to focus on and, and do better with, yeah. And you cited lots of research. Yeah. <laughs> there was kind of seven or eight slides. Where I was, well, here's another systematic review. <laughs> right, um, right. And it was quite interesting that, that a lot of those reviews were fairly empty and there's fairly poor quality evidence. But right. I guess I'm interested in this relationship mm -hmm. between mental health literacy mm -hmm. and stigma reduction. Mm -hmm. Can you give us a sense of how those two are woven together? So um, the issue with the mental health literacy, it's, it's about how, what do you know, right? So if we increase what you know about whatever the topic is, so in this case it would be depression, let's say, or anxiety, or big picture mental health, if we help you understand what that is, what's going on with the brain, what's going on with your emotions, what's going on with your stress level, you know, you have a better understanding of when you're having perhaps symptoms that are controllable or not controllable, right? Um, and then what do you do? What do you, what do you have control over doing to take care of yourself? And so if we tackle the mental health literacy, increasing what people know, because in some of these communities, people have very, very... Um, old, perhaps um, limited understanding of mental health um, issues and what causes a mental um, disorder, very limited. Um, so they're not necessarily thinking about the bio, biological, biomedical kinds of things that drive some of these um, uh, disorders. They are very um, focused on it being uh, perhaps uh, um, something that's done to the person from external sources. Um, or because the person is quote unquote a bad person or has done bad things, that they, they, that's why they're having these symptoms. Um, so there, there are cultural factors that we have to understand, but we have to bring in the biological science. We have to help people understand the science of mental illness. And so I, the combination of the two is going to be very important. 
you know, we have to respect the cultural perspective because that's not something we're going to fix, you know, at all. But we can maybe tone down those archaic cultural um, perspectives and have uh, individuals understand that there's also something happening in your brain that you have no control over or little control over that's equally important to driving those symptoms. So it's it's the combination would be important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was really struck when you were presenting the evidence that you were mm-hmm. talking about the kind of multi-dimensional um, aspects of intervention. So, you mm-hmm. know, it's about contact, it's mm-hmm. about education. It's not about one of these things. We right. have to do all of these things for it right. to be successful. And I'm, the idea about contact is really interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, mm-hmm. contact with somebody who's depressed or anxious or has a common mental health problem mm-hmm. is quite different to contact with a... Um, somebody living on the streets mm-hmm. with addiction problems mm-hmm. and psychosis. Mm-hmm. And I wonder what you thought about how we extend stigma reduction that we currently mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. so that it actually reaches the people that really need it most. Mm-hmm. Well, I had a colleague who said to me, and I, this was a couple of months ago, one of the things that she does is she walks, when she's going from home to work, she walks past basically this little community of homeless people, but she makes it her business to walk past the same community of homeless people all the time so she'll bring a sandwich or she'll smile or she'll just ask their names that's contact so they know she's there they know that she keeps re-engaging I think that's wonderful because she's not finding a different path to home or, or work she's actually saying I see you I value you um, I'm paying attention and so I think that that's contact, you know, so whatever we can do in a small way or a big way is important. Yeah. And we can all do that, mm-hmm. but why don't we? So what's the first step? <laughs> I think the first step is getting outside of your own self. <laughs> um, you know, are you paying attention to others? I think so many of us are very self-absorbed. It's about us and it's about, you know, life goes smoothly if we only do this, you know, and, and sometimes we have to be uncomfortable. I think, I think it's okay to be uncomfortable. Um, you know, reach out and, and make yourself uncomfortable by, by extending yourself to people who might be different, um, who, who you might have some um, trepidation from being around um, because you learn so much from them, but you also, I think, give them a lot if you, if you take the time. There's a lot of money in global mental health research at the moment. If you were given a multi-million pound global budget Mm -hmm. to tackle stigma Mm -hmm. in low and middle income countries, what questions would you try and answer? What methodologies would you use? I think think one of the the people who we just (laughs) had in the room, um, I think the real real place you start is with the people. What, What is it that they want to know, right? So what are the questions that they have? Because I think if you engage the community, from where the community is, you have a better chance of sustainability because they will own it eventually and they will want to find ways to make sure it continues. So I, I, I think the research, researchers have to start from that place. I mean, we might have some thoughts in our head, but I think we have to put those thoughts aside and, and go into communities and just listen to what people want and start from what people want. 